welcome back to another episode of Mo Better Business. I'm here with my co-host, Tahir Jones. Peace. And today we're talking about the Great Resignation. For those who don't know, we've basically seen record numbers of people losing their job. This is everywhere from blue-collar workers to white-collar workers. Seems have not spared any type of company. Uh, and today we're going to look at what we've seen up close from our own experience consulting with tech companies, as well as what the data is showing. So Tahir, why don't you kick us off? For sure. So we both spend a lot of time recruiting people, like this agency owners and IT consultancies. We're constantly looking at, you know, people in the tech space, engineers and roles. So we can we can talk about what our experience has been. But I found it interesting. I was like, well, let's let's look at what the data is actually saying. Right. Because there's a ton of stuff in the media around the great resignation, quote unquote, and MIT Sloan School of Management, actually, or at least on their, their website, they there's an article with uh, some data from a study that was done to kind of assess what the reasons were for the attrition. Like, what are the reasons why people are actually quitting their jobs based on the actual data? Now, Gareth, what do you think, if you were to guess, what do you think is the main reason for people having quit the job? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. Before I kind of just I get to what I think it is, I think it's such a good question because I think there's so much misinformation about the great resignation out there right now. Kind of selfish reasons. I was listening to, you know, this guy who effectively runs a commercial real estate empire, you know, and he was essentially talking about how eventually everyone's going to go back into the offices and this is just a temporary thing. This was about a year ago, right? And obviously that hasn't necessarily proven true. Every variant leads to more people deciding that they want to work from home and remote. You know, his incentive is obviously, you know, he wants you back in commercial real estate buildings so that he can sell more square footage. Right. And I think a lot of the talking heads right now, they all have an incentive structure around this where for whether they run a company, whether they're invested in the, the markets or even people who are, in, you know, maybe an employee and who don't want to go back to work or enjoy this kind of employee power, they want to see the turnover continue. So I think there's so much, it's very hard to know why, but if I had to guess, I would say that kind of the time at home has led to people reevaluating their life and the value structure has kind of changed where people now see it as I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be able to travel more or whatever their, their kind of reason is. They, it's not just go to work nine to five, come home, rinse, repeat. I guess that's what I would say. But what's the, what's the data telling us? I, I think that that kind of touches on it. And it was interesting because according to the study, the, the number one reason why people separate separated last year was toxic corporate culture. Yeah. And toxic corporate culture is embodied in, you know, not hiring with diversity, lack of equity and inclusion, abusive stuff happening in, in workplaces, which is more prevalent than I think anybody really cares to admit. So the, the main thing was toxic corporate culture at 10%. So far and away, it was the most influential part of this. The next piece was job insecurity and reorganization. After that, high levels of innovation which was interesting. We can talk about that a bit. And failure to recognize employee performance or so failure to recognize people's contributions and poor response to COVID-19 was the other major yeah. reason. So I think what you said is are the real reasons. I think people have had time to assess what's important, right? And to prioritize their lives. And I think a lot of people realized how valuable their time is. Having time to reflect and spend time with family and realize that the amount of time and energy that we take with the job is um, 
it's not necessarily worth it. The other thing is people are figuring out other ways to make money too. And I think one thing that's not necessarily pointed out here is that right now, if you are highly productive and you're highly impactful to an organization and that's measurable and you can demonstrate that, I think you are certainly in the driver's seat. Yeah. And I, I think that, realize that. And, and yeah, I mean, and the thing that the people case. who fit that bill, people who are the best employees probably are, are often able to make the transition to other things, the most easily proactive. They care about the work, commitment to excellence, all those things that you want in an ideal employee. In a lot of cases, those same skills make them just as valuable in the in the open market. And the flexibility for people is huge. Like flexibility over and over comes up and like women with small children and wanting to be able to spend that time, but still have a skill set. And if a company is able to be flexible in terms of how they compensate when you have to work and create an environment that's conducive to how people actually want to work. You know, it, it, it bodes well. Right. But yeah, I, I think an yeah. interesting thing to see, because I think a large part of it is simply the fact that you're working from home, right. Switching jobs. It's completely different to switch jobs where it's like, I still go to the same place, which is my home office or my desk at home. It's just a new title. And new employees versus I go to an office and now I have to go from 14th and third street to, I need to go to New Jersey or I need to go uptown. It's like psychologically, I think it's a massive difference of like you, this changes now. It's almost, it's like, okay, I guess, you know, I don't get to kind of, I have a different rapport with new people, but like, it doesn't really change your life. Whereas a job felt like before when you were changing, it was huge. And I don't think bosses have the same power as they did in an office, right? Like when you're, it, it feels way more kind of daunting to quit by going up to your boss and being like, I'm quitting or being like, I'm done with this versus at home. And all you have to do is jump on a Zoom call and be like, look, you send out an email and you jump on a Zoom call. So I think it's a case of there's this like employee power that's coming from distance where it's like, because there's not the proximity of like, you're in an office and your boss is right there, or you're so used to going to the same place. You feel way more comfortable now just being like, I can switch jobs. My boss is just somebody that's on a Zoom call now. Like yeah. what, the threat factor is just so much more reduced. It's, a, it's like very analytic, but I think a big part of it has to do with the physical act of being at home makes it much easier to leave your job versus going into an office and that experience. So I don't think, and this is, I guess the next question I had is, do you think we're going back to the old way or do you think there's kind of this new way forward if you were looking at it? I think what, what the future is a hybrid model. There's, there's no way people are going back. And um, I don't think there's any way they're going back. And I, I just think in terms of, I would wonder even like, what do the attrition rates look like for people who work from home before the pandemic, right? Like I've been in a home office for probably some years, right? And I have sometimes would need to spend time at clients or on-site at clients for extended periods of time. And I can tell you that commuting an hour each way takes a lot out of you. That feels like a second job. And I think people not having to do that was significant, but is it going back? No, I don't think it's going back at all. The workers will dictate The people who you need to do these jobs will dictate how the jobs, how and where the jobs will be done. And if there's the opportunity for that job to be done remotely, it'd be very difficult to present some evidence to suggest that productivity is is reduced. I'm Um, not even sure it's the evidence that Matt, like, because ultimately, I think to what you said, the first part, 
is more important about like the workers, if you need to get something done and your quarterly earnings are dependent upon these people getting the work yeah. done, eating the product release date, yeah, right? For sure. It doesn't really matter whatever you want to say about, you know, like, hey, you're more productive here. If they don't want to be there, they don't want to be there. And to be frank, if your bottom line is probably better as a business, if you're not carrying a bunch of office space that yeah. people aren't using, like the only reason a lot of these folks are talking about, like you said, the only reason they're talking about it is because they're stuck in an office space or in their, they're in the class A commercial office space business, or they just, they're a company that leased, that has a multiple year lease on a property that it looks like is going to be useless potentially. And I think that there's just a lot of, um, there are a lot of folks who are dealing with how they would like it to be. But in reality, you know, the workers should be empowered and you shouldn't have to do bullshit jobs. I mean, if you look at the bullshit jobs, that's a, that's a bad way to, to, to characterize uh, anybody's work, right? Because there's nobility in all kinds of work, in all work. But I would say that there are people in retail, retail and hospitality is where the largest level of attrition has been. And these are jobs where folks are exposed to the worst nature of human beings. And let's face it, you can see from all these stories of disgruntled people on airplanes treating flight attendants poorly and treating staff poorly and treating people who wait tables poorly, right? Anybody who's having to deal with the public is probably taking a second look at whether that's what they want to do. And I think yeah. in those, I think what we've learned too, is that folks are going to have to figure out something else. People in the restaurant industry, people in the service industry or own businesses in the service industry, they're going to have to figure it out because clearly the people who they've, who they've intended to employ in a lot of cases have figured out something, something better. Now, I think that there is some truth to people having maybe access to cash flow that they hadn't had previously because of, of some of the stimulus packages and the, you know, the, the child tax credits and all that kind of stuff. And I do think that once people's reserves start to dwindle, you may kind of see a resurgence of people needing to be in those roles. But I'm going to tell you, man, I feel like the toothpaste is out of the tube, man, and there's no going back. Yeah, I don't see how you can have someone relinquish. And here's the thing, too. I was reading this book, Influence. You ever read that book? Great book to read. Robert Aldini, I think his name is pronounced. But at any rate, he talks about this human phenomenon, which is people are way more likely to react violently to losing something after having had a taste of it. What I'm suggesting is prior to, it's been quite a long time since people have vacated the work arena in this volume, right? Yeah. And have started to rethink what work looks like. And now that people have had a taste of the alternative could be, there's no way that they're going to go back. And they will fight tooth and nail to maintain the new freedoms that they've acquired in a way that they haven't previously because they hadn't experienced it. So I think this is a way bigger deal over the long term. I think this is a shift. And I think, again, the toothpaste is out of the tube. I think people have come to a realization. They're starting to wake up and realize, damn, even if they offer me an extra 20 percent kicker or a signing bonus, my time is more valuable, you know. The time I've gotten back with my family, the time I've gotten to develop this other skill set, the time I've gotten to just reflect and realize, focus on what it is I'd actually like to do with my life as opposed to just being on a hamster yeah. wheel. I think collectively people have started to, to recognize yeah. that and they ain't going back. And they've seen they've seen it justified by their peers. Right. I think a lot of people are leaving because they see their peers leaving and doing OK. And now that yeah. they've seen yeah. that they can 
you know, bet on themselves or or have a different work paradigm that allows for their lifestyle and how they need to live their life and the time they want to spend with family and children and all that stuff is possible. And they can even make more money, especially if they're good. You can make more money on your own right now because all these same companies that are losing people still need people to do those jobs. Yeah. So I, I, I just I think it's I not going back. You. I agree with you. I don't think it's going back either. I think, you know, there's plenty of historical data that like pandemics are a leading cause of like employee like rights and benefits. Like it's after the Spanish flu, you know, after the Black Plague, there's just tons of, of historical data that kind of tells you that like when there's this amount of disruption to business, right, the people who benefit are, you know, it's the smaller work pool that's left for whatever reasons, whether it's people who voluntarily left the workforce or, you know, casualties. So I do think, I agree with you that I think it's not going back, but I think it's almost like the end of a movie right now where everyone's having this like hooray moment of like, finally the worker is being respected. Finally, companies are having to reckon with how they've treated the employees. And I don't think that companies go lightly in the way in which we think they are. Like, yes, on the public surface, they're going to say all the right things around, you know, like, oh, you know, we're going to do this X, Y, Z for employees. We believe in women. We believe in minorities. They'll say whatever they need to say to, you know, on the surface look good. But I think especially when I look at the tech companies, I'm expecting a lot of shady behavior to happen, whether it's collusion based. I was just reading about how, you know, I think it was Facebook and Google got caught colluding against non-tech companies on ad space. I was reading about how Apple a few years ago got caught with another big tech company, basically artificially capping the salaries of engineers so that they would basically agree like, okay, a level two engineer, you're not going to pay them above that. You guys aren't going to pay them above that. We're not going to pay them above that. Right. And really that should be a massive scandal because it's really the most sought after employees, like, you know, the most, what's considered one of the most skilled tradesmen, right. Of our kind of time, these conglomerate, these cartels are effectively dampening the livelihood and the wages that these people can make. And all they do is they pay a small fine and you know, the practice effectively continues, right? So I don't think these companies are going to go quietly into the night of losing all this power. Cause that's what this is. This is a power situation where, companies that are used to dictating to employees of like, you're going to be here. If we need you Saturday, you will pick up that, you know, you will respond to that email. You need us more than we need you. I think that mentality is still going to be there. So as much as this is a great moment, I think for employees finally, you know, having their moment, right. Of finally being able to do exercise some type of control over their own lives. I would be highly shocked if there aren't people in rooms right now figuring out how to limit the power of the employees and to how to kind of pull them back oh, in. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see um, what those moves are though, or we won't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's in the, these companies, business models are contingent on them having people who work full time and still are eligible for food stamps and public aid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even that, I, I was talking so they're going to push back against it. But I mean, I was I think high end of employees, and even that's it. I'm saying that's how they treat even their most yeah. prized, you know, poodles of like yeah, these people who are supposed to be. You're the core of what makes us different. You know, that's how they treat the best of their employees. And at the bottom, yeah, Kroger and all these companies, where it's like 
you know, you're subsidized by the state so that we can kind of utilize the system where we know we don't have to pay you much because you're going to be on food stamps and we can pay you something. That's Walmart, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's Walmart. Walmart's part of their business model. I, I would imagine there's a lot of people at Amazon who qualify similarly and are working in the hazardous conditions. I think ultimately it boils down to leverage, like capitalism yeah. is capitalism, right? So it, what's happened is that the employee, the worker has recognized it, it, their leverage. What businesses will do is adapt. They're going to negotiate. They're going to make, they're going to eventually come to understand what employees need and focus on the outcomes that they're looking for as a business and make the two coincide. That's the negotiation. And or, as long as the workers have that leverage, right? How, some, that's what I'm saying. How long does that leverage last? How long does the leverage continue to last? Because I look at it in the first move that I think that they'll do is They'll look, okay, if these American workers don't want to get the work done, the first thing they'll do is they'll look overseas, open up the visa policies, open up, okay, well, everybody's remote. We don't mind hiring from South America, same time zone. Let's get them. Mm -hmm. Next thing that I think they'll start to do is, and we already see this, but it's basically put more money into it is like the workers that are at the bottom that are easily automated out of their job, the people, the cashiers, the, the clerks, they'll work on effectively saying, how can we put together plans where we mm -hmm. need one of them instead of 10 of them, right? I think this yeah. expedites those efforts of, okay, we got to look overseas and we got to figure out how to expedite, how to automate them out of their jobs. Right? And I think automation, like, I think you're absolutely right. I think just like anything else at any company, probably 15% of the people are represent 80% of the productivity, revenue yeah. generation, whatever it is. And that's just the same pretty much in any, right? In any situation, 15% of the people are really the ones driving it. So yeah. this is an opportunity for businesses to start to be more disciplined about who they're hiring, what's actually required to execute what's needed to execute. So it, it could make businesses more disciplined, but there's probably a lot of people not in the job market who probably shouldn't be in the job market, right? I mean, for the amount of time that you have to spend working, which is at least 40 hours a week, at least the, the work week, the work structure that we've become accustomed to in this culture is one where you're working at least Wait, 40 hours a week, right? And, and, and in real life, it's way more than that. It's way you more. You actually need those out, like, I think we waste so much time just yeah. you know, like the world has become just a distraction zone, but yep. we end up working way, we all end up working way more than 40 hours per week where yeah. there isn't a single person I know who doesn't have to take a look at something on Sunday after five o'clock isn't, you know, typing up whatever, whatever. And it's just accepted as standard of like, well, don't you want to be, aren't you ambitious? Like, don't you want to get ahead? Right. And we were, we all work 70 hours minimum yes. here. We all stay till eight every night. But That's paid, the culture, right? You're paid the right. same. Which the means same. like that salary, your $150,000 salary is really more like, you know, some he works, who actually worked 40 hours and makes a hundred or 90. Yeah. You know what I mean? The other thing that's come about in the age of remote work, right? This great resignation, remote work, new work paradigm is the fact that, you know, in a lot of work environments, traditionally, you have those types of people who show up early every day, but their productivity really isn't shit. Like they're spending their day doing whatever, but it really isn't stuff that's impacting the bottom line of the business in any significant way. Sure. I feel like if you're that person who's like, I show up early, I'm always where I'm supposed to be. 
you know, physically I'm chatting it up to whoever at the business, but in terms of like productivity and rainmaking and having an impact on the business, they're just kind of hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think those people, those people like that, that, that's got to go because when you're remote to me, you kind of have to produce. I mean, I'm thinking about even like the, the, you know, the work paradigms that we have, it becomes very obvious if somebody's not doing what they need to do because you only have people in place to serve that function and to do that well or to do whatever their job is. And if they're not doing it, they don't have the benefit of the doubt from, you know, they're there all the time, 15 minutes early, and they're there until, you know, an hour after everybody else leaves, but they don't do shit. You know, that whole thing is a, is a thing of the past. Or I I think think it's a a really interesting point that you brought up because I think what that leads to, like what this remote thing leads to is more kind of like objective metrics where it's like, you finish these tickets, is this site done versus, yeah, I think Every company has like these people who are effectively cheerleaders whose job it is, is just to be like, you know, they make some good jokes at the office party. They show Mm -hmm. up 15 minutes before you show up, but they act like they've been there for an hour and a half. You know, (laughs) they uh, are good water cooler conversators. Yeah. And I think there is some value. They're, They're like the communal kind of their job is basically just be communal. But now we don't have that anymore of like the community is who knows what it is. Maybe it's the metaverse, but community is right now just being like, are you responsive on Slack? Can you present in a Zoom meeting? Right. That's what the community is. Right. And can you make a little bit of banter before we start getting into what we have to talk about on Zoom? Right. Yeah. That's what we've been stripped down to a community. Now it's like more. Did you get these? Are these tickets done? Is the site working? Do we have what we need? Did the metric goals hit? It's way more kind of just like the bare bones stripped down version of it. So yeah, I think I think a lot of people's that like the value of certain people has completely shifted. I think you're going to see people who rise up into management who are more kind of like cold calculating because mm-hmm. it's just like can they get the work done and can they supervise these people. Versus necessarily like some of these people who, you know, you love to talk to when you're at work, but now that you're at home, you're realizing they're a little bit incompetent. Yeah, definitely. And I think folks who are able to, I think there's some core skill sets that are always going to help you regardless of what kind of job you're in. But if you can express. Just to kind of frame that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What do you see? So we're looking at kind of, we've talked about the scope of what the great organization is, how the employer is going to fight back. What should someone who is maybe an employee, they have a side gig. What do you think in this time period is the way in which they can exceed and do the, whether it's at the same company, leave the company. What do you think someone who's in that position, they have some of that entrepreneurial mindset. They typically have a, they have a nine to five. How would you approach this period in time, the great resignation? If you were in that position, like working at a place, like in a, in a job, a place, you might get a, a side hustle going, um, mm-hmm. you might be considering leaving the company, but yeah. you're aware, at least aware of kind of what's going on. You're realizing that there's more power in your position than ever before. How would you approach that knowing that? So if you're at a job right now, like, and you have a side hustle or you have thoughts of entrepreneurship, keep your day job and use it as school, like business school and use it to finance your side endeavor. There's a few things, skills that you want to develop. I think the main thing is being able to express an argument 
with clarity, both verbally and in writing. And it's shocking how few people actually do this well. And the folks who can do it well in business, your likelihood of success increases exponentially. And the reason is because you might have great ideas, but unless you can convey those and tie those ideas to what the business outcomes are should be, it really doesn't matter. So A, being able to make a clear, succinct argument and back it up is extremely important. Being able to speak publicly, if you can conquer public speaking, that's certainly a route to leadership. And, and anytime you, you know, you're going to raise capital, you're trying to convince something of someone, those are skills that are going to be required. Outside of that, I think it, it really helps you if you can at least make your way around Excel to a certain degree, like really any, any like administrative skill in general. But good typing speed, as silly as that sounds, is extremely important. Like if one person types 45 and the other person types 90, all things being equal, the person who types 90 words a minute is going to be able to get things done faster, period. Right. So, yeah, I, I, those, I, right? I think I agree with the first part of what you said about. I think if you're in a position of a company right now, the point you made about moving into speaking roles and pitching, like everything is a pitch, right? Everything's you're selling somebody on something, even if it's you're selling, you know, uh, your colleague. So I'd say like grab as many opportunities. If you're right now is the time to grab as many opportunities to present pitch and sell. Because if you want to do your side hustle, you're going to need that, you know, in excess. If you want to stay at the company and move up and get that negotiate a higher salary, you're going to need that for that big meeting when you kind of have to negotiate it. If you want to get a new job, it's regardless of any of these three doors, you want to get a new job, your, your hustle, or stay at the company. Right now, that skill set of I can sell on a call, everything is Zoom now. So can yeah. you sell on a Zoom? And can you get that extra percentage, whether it's you know how to do the banter before the talk, you have a good visual, you have a good background, whatever it is that gives you that bumps you up a few percentage points. Think about that now. And I would say, don't be, I think what's coming clear and it adds to your point that you said about there's someone in the office who's, you know, they don't, they're just there for like the water cooler conversation, right? Don't be right now, if you're the lowest performer on a team, you stand out now more than ever, right? You stand out so obviously that you're not getting the work done. So even if you have a side hustle or whatever you're doing, make sure you're not in that bottom 20% because it's so clear on a team right now where you strip away all the friendliness, you strip away, it's just what's getting done and are these, is the work getting done? Have you met the marketing goal? You write up this report, everybody's, our minds are so distracted right now where we're all we're on is the internet. We don't notice people who are in the middle. We might notice a top performer, but we all notice a person who's just not producing anything or producing the lowest. That's probably the only yeah. thing we can really pay attention to right now. It's like, I haven't heard from this guy in a while. And when his work comes out, it looks terrible, right? So thinking about it in those terms, I think is super important. It's the pitching and just don't be in the bottom 20%. I mean, right now they probably won't fire you, but hey, it's still- No, you're, you're not going to get fired in the bottom 20%, but so that- Definitely is true and goes without saying, but I think understanding how to be in the top yeah. 10 is crucial. And that has to do with understanding 
like some people, just people aren't really recognizing like companies and stuff. They put out the KPIs and everybody does it and they fill in the blank. But a lot of times people really aren't paying attention. And the, the best thing that you can be doing right now, if you're working someplace and whether it was, you know, these times or before these times right now is even more important. Make yourself indispensable and you make yourself indispensable by going after and tackling problems that are gnarly and nasty that nobody's wanted to deal with. If you're early in your career and you have like, you know, there's an assumption that with youth, youth comes mastery of technology to a certain degree. There's a lot of companies that could use the help of somebody that could, will just go in and figure out how to use an interface or a platform, whether you have the skill or yeah. not. Right. Like just having being willing to navigate it and yeah, figure it out. to do it. So yeah. many places are disorganized and could, you know, they need systems. Every place has problems executing on things they've either sold, <laughs> delivered or whatever. So like being the person who understands how to move a project forward and follow up, all of those things are, are really crucial. But I think it's important to do what you can to make yourself indispensable because it could really put you in a very enviable position right now, especially the way the market is set up. If you become someone who a business feels like they can't operate without you being there, that gives you a, an extreme amount of leverage. So yeah, yeah you know, I think that's that's definitely one path is like if you're in the top 10% right now, you are in the driver's seat like never before. Um, yep. Know your worth. If your goal, it depends what your goal is, right? If you want to stay in that company, yeah, get in the top 10% now because you're more valuable than ever. And literally every six months, you could just renegotiate your salary if you really wanted to. If your goal is, I just want the most money, I think it's actually to leave wherever you are right now. Because when you- when You're You think long-term too, or just, over, you think that's short-term or, or long-term? I think popping right now, is mm -hmm. the is the way to make the most money if that's what you want right mm -hmm. go to get a big name on your resume hop to another company and say this is how much i want so i'm talking to somebody else if you don't match it i'm going elsewhere then if you want to do your side hustle i think it's basically staying in the middle stay in the middle of a company because being in the top 10 percent, it takes a lot of work right now it's like who's, <laughs> yeah who's, that's true are you on online at 9 p.m are you can you can you jump on this call that you know can you work on something over the weekend it's going to take a lot away from your side hustle if you're in the side hustle game that's what you want to do then figure out how to get into the middle 50 percent take on the occasional challenging project and be able to sell because you're going to need that for your other skill set so it's all about what you want to do but now is the time to tune in more than ever i think because understanding kind of the shifting landscape it, it's so it can be the difference between kind of staying in the same position you know, at, at a company you don't really love for 20 years or, you know, you could be the head of, of a department. So, yeah, I agree. I, I would learn like like learn basic project management. I don't think I don't know if a PMP or, you know, whatever the certification is, is really necessary because I've done a lot of that type of work and did not have one. And I, I know yeah. a lot of people who have and haven't, you know, but learning basic project management and understanding how to move a project forward is so critical yeah. and will elevate your career exponentially because you can have a bunch of brilliant people, right? Who are the, like the top, and I've been in this situation, the top subject matter experts on a given subject and whatever a project is in terms of moving it forward, that's a very specific skill set. You need those individuals who, yeah. you know, maybe generalists, but they know how to move a thing forward. They know how to follow up after they know how to assess what the next actions should be. They know how to, create a project plan and follow up on it. Those are skill agnostic and whether, you know, engineering teams need them, cross-functional teams need them, design teams need, them. and as you move up, 
you're really doing more of that type of work, allocating resources. You start yeah. doing more administrative stuff. You're not executing in the same way that you that you were as a practitioner, right? You're more of a manager of people and projects. But regardless, being able to move a project forward and make things happen and get things done is crucial and it's rare. And the folks who are really, really good at that tend to succeed. For sure, for sure. So that's yeah. another episode of Mobit Business. You know, so much more we could go into about the Great Resignation. It's literally kind of, I think, the biggest kind of issue of today. So make sure you do your research, think about your path. And thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure. 